Early Risers is supported by Health Partners and Park Nicollet. From rashes, fevers, shots, and all other things that make you worry a lot, Health Partners has pediatric care for your kids. Visit healthpartners.com slash schedule. From Little Moments Count and Minnesota Public Radio, this is Early Risers, waking up to racial equity in early childhood. I'm your host, Diane Halsey. This podcast is about how to talk with very young children about race and racism and how to celebrate cultural differences. This season, we're focusing on the stories of parents across the state of Minnesota. Over the last few months, I've been talking with people about their parenting journeys and how they're navigating conversations about race and racism with the young children in their lives. The first thing I feel like I have to be honest about when asked, how do I talk to my kids about race, is that I don't know how. The question that every parent has, right, am I doing a good job, right? (laughs) Is this going to work? Is this working? I'm trying to figure out how I can explain things to them without creating hatred in them. That last voice you heard was Kai Miller. In 2018, she and her husband, James, whom are both African-American, moved to Rochester, Minnesota. That's where they're raising their young daughters, who are now 9 and 10 years old. And while Rochester is a growing city that's becoming more racially diverse, Kai and James told me that as African-American parents they sometimes feel isolated. That isolation has affected their daughters, who don't always see themselves represented in school or in the community. So a few years ago, Kai and James started taking concrete steps to build their daughter's confidence and self-esteem. Well, Kai and James, I'm Diane Halsey, and I'm the host of Early Risers. It's really a pleasure to meet both of you, and I just want to say a very heartfelt thank you um, for coming on the show. Um, As you all know, um, my whole podcast is about how to talk to young children about race and racism. That isn't always the easiest thing to talk about, so I really appreciate you coming on and, and having this conversation. Oh, no problem. Thank you for having us. So, um, so let's just get into it. You two are um, have a family, you're raising young children. Tell me, when do you remember the first time um, an adult or a parent caregiver talked to you about race? Probably my mother. Mother always wanted to make sure that we were prepared to deal with um, the outside world. And I say we as me and my brothers, I'm the oldest of three. I have two younger brothers. So she wanted to make sure that we um, were kind of prepared to understand that there is an equality and there is a higher expectation as a black man to uh do more and when i say do more like you won't get recognized for let's say something that somebody of a different race does that you do naturally 
some you know, like, almost like mediocrity. Yeah, you, know, you won't yeah. get you won't get recognized for mediocrity. You you have to do it, and you have to go above and beyond. Go above and beyond, and 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 be consistent at it, and um, you know, smile a lot. So, um, it's just something that my mother kind of prepared me for. So, um, mm-hmm. how how that conversation came about, it was just kind of a don't take it personal. Yeah. You know, some people deal deal with things in their own way. You know? You know, um, so, and I'm going to get to you in just a second, Kai, but I, mm-hmm. I'm a mother of all boys too. So I can kind of relate to like what your mom was talking about. And one of the things I always think about though is, um, I mean, you have to have those conversations because you have to prepare your children. However, there is a cost, you know. And so for you, James, like, how did those conversations affect you when you were young? And now that you're a parent, how has that conversation carried over or even changed a little bit as you were raised, raising your children? You got to choose your times to pick your battles. And that's just something that I try to tell my, my kids just, and then my girls are this, they don't, they're not confrontational. They're not confrontational. Yeah. And, and they don't, they don't yeah. like to express themselves. They they cry, you know, they, mm-hmm. they like to express themselves that way. I was also kind of raised on like, you don't really cry. <laughs> you know, what are you crying for type of yeah. thing? I don't want to, I don't want to say like, you know, she raised us on men don't cry, but it, it was a, like when you get whooped, you know what I'm saying? What are you crying for type of thing? Yeah. You know, it, it was, it was that type of, that type of vibe. So. Yeah. There's a certain kind of, and I don't, I don't want to speak for your mother, but my experience has been there's a certain kind of um, fear as a mother of African-American sons. Mm-hmm. And that fear as you raise your children can come out in all kinds of different ways. Um, mm-hmm. But there is always that fear of them going out into the world and people not seeing them for who they are and their mm-hmm. very skin being um, considered to be a weapon to other people. I mean, there's always that, you know, and so there's different ways that people deal with that and, 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 and teach their children, but, but it's still there. Mm-hmm. And really it's kind of a double-edged sword because it's either that way or if they're raised kind of to the point where they can express their feelings, they're considered soft, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. and, and a lot of people treat them as such, like, you know, a, a lot of their peers and, and people that they, because we're not going to be around our family all the time. Right, right, right. So, Kai, what about you? When was the first time you remember a parent or an adult talking to you about race? Neither of my parents talked to me about race uh, at all that I can recall. So my my mother... I think the reason why she never really talked about it is because um, my mother is a lot like how I am now. Like I'm just accepting of everybody. And not that I don't see race because I 
you know, in, in color because I do. Um, but like, I don't pitch a fit about, oh, this person is this or this person is that. Like, it doesn't phase me one way or the other. If, if you're kind, I can rock with you mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, so my mother, she was that type of way. So she never really had that kind of conversation with me. And I also grew up in Detroit, which is predominantly Black. So I never, mm. I didn't really grow up around other races like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. My dad, however, he didn't necessarily sit down and talk to me about race, but he has his own ideologies about about white people. <laughs> and I think he could be a little... um prejudice um and he just because he's very my dad is almost 70 and he's just he was raised old school he's just old school period and so he has very strict ideologies he was raised in the south yeah yeah and so some of the things that i've heard i've heard coming from him but i never let any of that change how I feel towards people. I've always took it to, you know, I'll let people's character speak for them yeah. um, rather than me grouping everybody into one. So now you both are, you're in Minnesota raising your two daughters. And if you all have talked to your children yet about race, and if so, kind of, how is that conversation gone? So we're in in Rochester. And mm-hmm. so um being in Minnesota is very different compared to how the both of us grew up. Mm-hmm. We both grew up in predominantly black areas. Mm. And so to come here mm-hmm. and to rarely see yeah. us, it's like hmm. That's difficult. It's it's we'll never different. Never see a black person. It's like it's like we're Crazy. we're yeah. It's like we're all <laughs> like we're both like happy to see each other. We're just right. waving and smiling. <laughs> and the girls going to school again, not seeing themselves in their peers, in their teachers. That mm. whole idea that representation matters is incredibly true because it was to the point where my youngest and I forget how old she was I think she was about six Mm -hmm. at the time five or six years old and she told us that she did not like her skin Mm. and she said she felt like her skin was dirty Mm -hmm. and she didn't like her hair she didn't like her hair she didn't like her skin because she wanted it to look like she wanted it to be straight. She wanted mm. it to look like all of these princesses that she sees on Disney or mm-hmm. like her classmates. And it's like, but your hair is so beautiful. Like it does things that nobody else's hair can do. Like right. they pay you to get their hair done like yours. Like, yeah. girl, it's amazing. And hearing her say that she didn't like herself because she didn't see herself was heartbreaking yeah and so like we had to switch everything up we took all the barbies away 
mm-hmm. and switched them out for black Barbies uh, that had different textured hair. I printed out from like Walgreens a bunch of pictures of little black girls and I posted them everywhere in their room. I bought coloring books that had black characters and things like that. Mm-hmm. I tried my best to find as many cartoons and movies that had black characters as possible. Yeah. And yeah. over time, how she felt about herself started to change because she could see herself more. Mm-hmm. And I never heard her say again that she hated herself or that she hated her hair. And then not even just that, but we were constantly reaffirming to them both that they're beautiful, that their skin is beautiful, that your hair is beautiful. Like everything about you is amazing. And it changed, you know. Representation means a lot. It means a lot. I'm Diane Halsey, and you're listening to Early Risers, waking up to racial equity in early childhood. In this episode, I've been talking with Kai and James Miller about the impact of representation on their children's self-image, and also the challenges families of color can sometimes face living in a majority white community. Kai and James have been sharing about their experiences as Black parents raising their daughters while living in Rochester, Minnesota. Kai and James' story is familiar to me as I grew up in a predominantly white community and struggled to see myself. Realizing your child has a negative self-image because of their race or identity can be painful, and so it's easy not to talk about it. I also know that there are lots of parents out there who are going through similar issues and want some guidance. So let's get back to this important conversation. I'm glad you shared that story because there's a lot of parents that are going through very similar situations, but it's not something that we like to talk about because it it can be kind of painful. So like when your Mm -hmm. daughter said that, what did you think and feel in that moment? I wanted to cry. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I guess, like I said, it was heartbreaking and it made me feel like, and Am I doing my children a disservice by being in a place that they don't see themselves? Like, should we move? Like, Mm -hmm. and we love it here in Rochester. Mm -hmm. Like, we love the community. Mm -hmm. But are we doing our kids a disservice by being here? You know, because they don't have anybody like them that they can connect with. You know, culturally, they're very separated you know what I mean I do and so in a way I still kind of feel that yeah but you decided to stay you haven't moved yet Mm -mm. so kind of where are you with that do you feel settled in your decision to be in Rochester or are you still noticing things that cause you concern no not not noticing anything now that's any cause of concern um I don't know. I mean, Rochester is a thriving community. It's like it it's is. like it's growing too, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. I was just about to say it's like mm-hmm. doubling in um in population right now. Yeah. And yeah. uh hopefully more the diversity will yeah. pick up some. That's yep. what I'm yep. hoping. One of the other things that 
kind of settled me in my decision to stay is the fact that, well, when she was feeling that way, we were living in a different place Mm -hmm. here in Rochester. Uh, But since we've moved into a new home in this community, there's more children here that look like us Mm -hmm. that they get to play with on a regular basis. And so it was like, huh, that feels a little bit better. Yeah. And it's like, so I don't want to necessarily pull them away. I I don't know. I just, we like it here. They Uh, like it here. They like it here too. (laughs) So you did talk about like the process you went through. And I think one of the things you said you did was um, do affirmations with Mm -hmm. your daughters. Do you still do those affirmations? Yeah. And if so, like what, Kind of walk us through your process for that. And maybe what are some of the things you say? We sit them down. We take all distractions away from them. And we make them like almost scream these things. Because <laughs> sometimes they like to talk really, really shy and low mm-hmm. and things like that. And it's like, nope, you all have big voices. Speak up, hold your head up, stick your chest out, plant your feet and say it like you mean it. And even if you don't mean it, we're going to keep saying it until you do. Mm. kind of thing so you believe it yep till you believe it and uh try to remember i am smart i am important i can do hard things it's okay to fall it's okay to fail it's okay to make mistakes i must always give my best and keep trying something like that i can be a leader today is gonna be a good day i know it ends on today is gonna be a good day yeah (laughs) (laughs) But it's a lot. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. we that part about making mistakes and things like that was important for us yeah. to add because they get really down on themselves. Yeah. They don't get something right. So those affirmations are excellent. Um, so if there is one question around... Um, talking to your young children about race or raising your children in an area that's not very racially diverse? If you had a question about or something that you're still trying to figure out around that, you know, what would that question be? In talking to my girls about race and being mindful of people and how they treat you and things that they say to you and more so referring to like people being racist to you at some point in life I know they're gonna especially with how out in the open people are becoming with all of this I know at some point they're going to if not directly to themselves they'll see it Mm -hmm being done to somebody. And so I'm trying to figure out how I can explain things to them without creating hatred Mm. in them. It's hard. And I know I I can see how for me it's sometimes and I don't hate anybody but it's it's something like in my heart that it's just it's tough it's tough that's hard you know because I don't I don't understand how anybody treats anybody badly no matter what race you are 
And so seeing our people being mistreated all this time and doing my research and going back and reading about things and it's hard to not harbor those type of feelings. And I don't want to create that type of fear Mm. or hatred in them. And I'm trying to figure out how to do that and explain things where they're at least aware, but still remain loving. Yeah, that is the that's the golden question (laughs) right there. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a huge question. I think many parents of color feel and and that's why sometimes it can be painful to have some of the, some of these conversations when you think about those kinds of questions though where do you go to get support around that um i have a few friends and some family that i confide in about things and i'll bounce my thoughts off of and get feedback and maybe get a, a perspective that i didn't see before like i said it's not it's not a a lot of people in my life that I can do that with, but I do have a few. So that's one support. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't have anybody but my wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we sit and talk a lot. Like, yeah, yeah. We just kind of. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the reasons why I asked that because when you have questions like that and when you're in an environment like that, it could be really isolating. You know, when you come up against those kind of issues and you don't really have people to bounce ideas off of. And so um, I just hope that you all are able to like, even if it's virtual or on the phone, you know, be able to Mm -hmm. find people because it's important, you know, for our own sanity to be able to, to have a sounding board when it comes to, you know, issues, especially issues around race. Because it can be, those issues can be so not only isolating, but divisive as well. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And somewhat of an example of that is when the uh, George Floyd um, situation happened, there was really no one here for us to talk to about mm. that. Uh, and we're, I guess, compared to everybody else that we know, we're mm. so close to it being so close to the cities. Right, right. And then, you know, it was to the point where we got GPS on each other. Like I needed to know where he was at all times and trying to explain that feeling to people around me, you know, that I have GPS on him. So if he gets stopped Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, I know where he is and I know how to get to him. Right. You know, same for for me. He can get to me. But the fact that I was afraid that he might not come back home, Mm -hmm. you know, and not having anybody here that we could actually sit and talk to and they could fully understand where we were coming from, like really understand that fear because they don't. No, like to be real, they don't understand that fear. Yeah, and that was definitely a time, and still is, but certainly in the days and weeks and months after, 
it was yeah. um it was very scary mm-hmm. you know it was Amazing. really scary not, yeah. not only that because the philando castile too yeah yep. i was thinking was about tear. that too and yep. and then right after that when dante wright happened and yeah um it was it felt um, like every single month it was yeah. somebody new and it's like yeah and you need when stuff like that happens you need i mean yes obviously you have a, each other which is beautiful but you need like community. you know yeah you do you need people that can understand that to talk to you know about that mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and luckily you know when when it comes to dealing with police officers we just we swallow our pride and just comply and and it's it's interesting because our youngest, and I'm not even sure where her where this fear came from, but she was afraid of police. We went to do shop with he, the cop. Yeah, she did shop with the cop. Mind you, the most police officers I ever seen in my freaking life. Oh my god! Yeah, Walmart <laughs> full of police officers. <laughs> oh wow! Was it like a community thing though? Like a yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, you have to submit an application because she was nominated to do shop with the cop through her school. And so I submitted an application for her and she was chosen to do it. And she was able to shop with the uh, cop right before the holiday. But she was afraid. She's like, I'm scared of police. And it's like, why? Like, where does this fear even come from? It's so interesting. We haven't told her about like anything's been going on with the police or like. But she's picking it up. In from the, somewhere 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 mm-hmm. in, in the environment she's picking that up that's really interesting mm-hmm. you know that's that's actually very interesting kai and james story is a good reminder that representation matters in shaping a child's self-perception and self-esteem They love their community in Rochester, but acknowledge the cultural separation their children feel. This conversation highlights the importance of seeing yourself reflected in your peers, teachers, toys, media, and other aspects of daily life, especially for children of color. I commend Kai and James for taking positive steps to create an affirmation practice for their daughters that builds their self-esteem. To parents who may be facing similar challenges, remember, you can be creative in seeking out diverse representation in all aspects of your child's life. Just like Kai and James engaged in open and honest conversation with their daughters, we can all be proactive in reinforcing our children's beauty and worthiness. I appreciate Kai and James' openness in speaking with me about this topic. I know that this conversation will help a lot of people. Early Rises is hosted by me, Diane Halsey. Our executive producer is Andrea Bork. Our senior producer is Nancy Rosenbaum. Our producer is Twyla Dane. Katie DeSell is our social media manager. Kaviesh Kavaraj composed our theme song, I Still Remember. As always, a special thanks to the whole team at Little Moments Count and Minnesota Public Radio. Thank you for listening. You can keep up with us on social media. We're at Podcast Early on Instagram and Facebook. 
Now is also a good time to go back and listen to our archive of past episodes and check out our discussion guides. Look for links at npr.org backslash early risers. And for more tips and resources on how to talk with young children about race and racism, visit littlemomentscount.org.